is up, guys? Welcome back to Creeps in the Crypt Summer Slaughter 2. Number three. Episode three. We're not and clowning around this episode. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> um, this is the personal favorite. This is our first real heavy hitter. Well, we did Charlie Manson. He wasn't a serial killer. Technically. He wasn't. He never killed anybody. Allegedly. 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 There might have been a stuntman, but I don't think he pulled the trigger. He was just a puppeteer. So this is this is truly our first heavy hitter serial killer. John Wayne Gacy. Love him or, love him or hate him. The hate man him. the man had a body count. And that's why we're talking about him today. Not the sassy time body count. Mm. Well, yeah, well, yeah, I was gonna yeah, say yeah, Unsolicited. Yeah. Hmm. Well, no, no, he solicited quite a okay. bit. Uh, Unwanted. The consensual no body count. Yeah, not consensual. No, it was not consensual. You want to see a handcuff trick? <sighs> um. This is where I handcuff you to my dick. Oh no! <laughs> They're gonna handcuff each other, and then I want you to try to get out of the handcuffs. Um. <laughs> That sounds like the fun games that me and you play. And that is consensual. Exactly. <laughs> At least it's consensual. This is, is not. The day that you start painting your face like a clown, I'm Out. done. All right. Enough clowning around right now. <laughs> I'm trying to say something. So, before we go any further, guys, please make sure that your auto downloads are on. Uh, follow and subscribe the show to the show. And... Fucking leave us a review. Yeah. Le- leave us a awesome Apple podcast or Spotify review. Or if you're on good pods, uh, leave us a review there. But yeah. And then comment on our YouTube thingies, right? Uh, I only uploaded the first few episodes. And they can still comment. Yeah, they can still comment and subscribe and share it. Yeah. Spread it around like wildfire. Yes. But yeah, Sam. You've uh, outdone yourself on this one. Thank you. You really have. I'm I do what I can. I'm proud of this one. Honestly. Yes. So before we get started, John Wayne Gacy is also the featured serial killer in a subscription box called Murder Crates. They bring you customized serial killer collectibles each month, and each month is a different serial killer. You can head over to MurderCrates.com and find them on Instagram and Facebook at MurderCrates. And you can use the code CREEPS to save a little bit of money on your first box. Uh, And if you're local to the Grand Strand area, you can head over to Rigatoni's Murder Mystery Dinner Theater in downtown Myrtle Beach and purchase the items there also. In person. In person. And you'll see me there. Yay! I know you're Sam just fucking doxed herself. Fuck. <laughs> Good job. Let me walking in. No, I'll be all right. I have a mat there. You're going to have your own version of creeps. Yeah. But they're not going to be the fun ones like what we do. No. Well, they might be. <laughs> For uh, me. <laughs> You'd be like, can I talk to you and study you? Take no. notes. Do you guys want to do an episode on me? No. <laughs> I've got 14 bodies buried in my backyard. Can I see? 
<laughs> Only if you let me see them. Yeah. Are they like potted plants? I was wondering if you wanted to join them. Oh, okay. No. I thought he was like, I thought the character you were going with was like somebody that had like potted plants, but they're actually heads sticking Ooh. up out of the ground. Fucking Farmer Vincent from Motel Hell. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. They're just heads sticking up out of the ground. This is my succulent. So and green is people. <laughs> so and green is actually no. We need to save that. For, we need to save that joke for Dahmer. <laughs> Way to foreshadow. Mm, oh my yes. god! Instead of being a succulent, uh, let me explain to you why he's a succulent. Just <laughs> mouth wide, gaping <laughs> open. Explain. So I was there talking about John Wayne Gacy, <laughs> the killer clown himself. You know, clowns are supposed to bring. Yeah, happiness and laughter and joy to kids during birthday parties and circuses. Not for me, though. I hate, I fucking hate clowns. There's a lot of people with, like, a clown phobia. I love them. I don't, it's not quite a phobia. I just have a, a big issue if I can't see your facial features. Fuck that. No. I love them. I, I can, I can't not see your face. No. I, No. They bring happiness and joy. So Halloween's not a uh, mask time for you? I don't like it. Don't mm. like it at all. I'm a huge fan. Michael Myers creeps the fuck out of me. <gasps> I love But am I going to go see Halloween ends? Absolutely. I've seen all the other fucking Michael Myers movies, so I have to finish it. Do you, you know that's just a William Shatner mask, right? <laughs> no, it's not. Yes, it is. <laughs> They spray painted a William Shatner Halloween mask. For this one? No, for all of them. I, f I think I'm traumatized. Yeah, the first one was, uh, he was just known as the shape. And they needed a mask for him. So they just went to the Halloween store, the costume shop, bought a William Shatner mask, ruffled up the hair, and spray painted the mask white. There's your horror movie fact of the day. I think I'm traumatized. I'm excited. Well, now so that I've, I've blown been scared Sam's of fucking mind. William Shatner my yeah. entire life. I'm Captain sorry. fucking Kirk. I hate Rocket it Man. <laughs> I hate it here. I'm out. <laughs> fucking A. She's out like a rocket man. <laughs> rocket man. Anyway. John Wayne Gacy was born on March 17th, 1942 in Chicago. He was the second of three children and the only son of John Stanley Gacy and Marion Robinson. His father was an alcoholic who verbally and physically abused him. We're starting off strong. Absolutely. <laughs> what uh, could his, go wrong? His father beat all the children with a razor strap. At least you didn't pick favorites with that. I guess. I'm looking on the positives here, man. Well, spoiler alert. John wasn't his favorite. No. No, he wasn't. Oh. was not. Uh, one of John's earliest memories was his father beating him with his leather belt for touching car engine parts that his dad had, like, laying out. If his mom tried to step in during any of the beatings that John Sr. was giving John Wayne, his dad would call him a sissy and a mama's boy and told John that he would, quote, probably going to grow up queer. His words, not mine. So John Sr. also had a really fun term for uh, gay people. 
he called him fruit pickers. Fruit pickers. He's like, a boy's going to end up with one of them fruit pickers. Interesting. Is it all bananas? All bananas. Oof. That's if- fucked. <laughs> Sometimes it's probably not banana. Sometimes it's probably like... Eggplant. That also. Or like baby cucumber. A cucumber. Or like a baby carrot. Mm. Ugh. Disappointing. Very. Even through all of that, John still admired his father and constantly sought approval from him. But all he got in return were insults that he was stupid and acted like a girl. When John was about five, he was fondled by an older girl. Also, when John was seven, he and another kid were caught fondling a younger girl. When his dad found out about the little girl, he beat the absolute crap out of John. Which, okay, yes, but also no at the same time. Because you're beating your child, but you also fondled a little girl. So, like... There's a okay. fine line between punishment... And abuse, and I'm aware. child abuse. It's a razor-thin line. Is there? I feel like you're actually beating out of like it was, anger. It was a lot of... It was different times back then, too. Oh, that's true. I mean, I'll pop Adeline on the butt or the hand, but I'm not like... Yeah, no. Don't like that. No. I was just like, quit it. Knock it off. <laughs> Stop. Just like, bring her back to like, oh, hello. <laughs> but like, it's nowhere so like... So apparently this was not like that. This was No, this was not no, like a gentle th- pop this, on the butt. This was like savage beatings. With a razor strap. Mm. And leather belts. Um, I got my ass beat by a leather belt. Yeah, I've gotten the belt before. Once. I'm still bad. The switch was the worst, though. Mm -hmm. Nope. My parents made me go pick mine out. Yep. I never had to do that. If you were smart, you picked the the biggest and bulkiest uh, stick you could. Because the thin ones hurt like a motherfucker. (laughs) And if they break, you gotta go pick out a new one. With a sore ass. Yep. If the punishment wasn't enough, you'd have to go get another one. Yikes. Oh, thank you. So this beating left a lasting impression on John. And he grew to be terrified of his dad. And and that kind of closed that line of communication between the two, John and his dad. What's crazy about uh, John's dad also was... His basement was like off limits. That was like his sacred fucking place. And he would go down there and like get hammered and then talk to himself and like scream about John in different voices, like in a conversation with himself. Real fucked up crazy dude. Jesus. Yeah. When John was about eight, a friend of the family started to take John out for ice cream and would show him different wrestling holds. Uh-oh. They weren't he's actually in, wrestling. He's in weird uncle territory. Yeah. Is it bed wrestling? Probably. They're playing tummy sticks. Ooh! <laughs> uh, John never told his dad because he thought that John Sr. would make it John's fault for being molested. Why'd you look so sexy in front of the neighbor? It's all your fault. You're going to wear this burlap bag for the rest of your days, kid. 
His dad would really find any reason to beat on John and the other kids. John does eventually tell his dad that he doesn't want to hang out with that family friend anymore, but doesn't tell his dad why. Every time I hang out with him, my asshole hurts. I don't know why. I like your sticky tummies thing. Tummy sticks. (laughs) Yeah. Thankfully, John never hung out with that friend of the family again after that. So he did sort of listen. I mean, he did listen, but, you know, whatever. At the age of 11, uh, John was hit in the head by a swing, which caused a blood clot in his brain. Due to the blood clot, which caused him to suffer blackouts and a congenital heart arrhythmia, resulting in an irregular heartbeat, he was hospital. He was in a hospital bed much of his adolescent life. But his dad decided that John was faking them because doctors couldn't find a reason why these blackouts were happening. In elementary school, because of his condition, he soon became overweight and was teased about it by the kids at school. Poor little guy. Sort of. That's because he he laid in, he had to lay in a hospital bed most mm-hmm. of the day. I'm saying sort of because he's a serial killer. They all start off innocent. Yeah. Well, what you come to find is a lot of John Gacy, John Wayne Gacy's acts stem from his formative years. I mean, the kid was molested several times. He was beaten the fuck out of. And he has a deep-seated self-hatred of that he's a, he's a homosexual. And that made him hate himself because his dad hated homosexuals. So maybe his dad was one too. He's like a hamster looking for the approval bottle. (laughs) Jesus fucking Christ. (laughs) Approval, approval. After five years of sporadic hospital stays, his medical team discovered that he had a blood clot in his brain that they were quickly able to treat. Even with his medical conditions, John's dad continued to beat him on the regular. So that blood clot, they that was the cause of those things, but they didn't find that for five years. Yeah. So it was just undiagnosed. He was just blacking the fuck out and like damn near having heart failure, I'm assuming. Uh, For five years, nobody knew what the fuck was going on. But his dad's like, that boy's a fucking phony. He's a faker. He's faking it. He's a fibber. He's going to end up a fruit picker if he lays in that hospital bed anymore. Fruit picker. Most of the time, for no particular reason other than the disdain that his father held for him is why he just beat the shit out of him. I don't like the way you look today. And I guess that I I guess that was enough. I, don't I mean. Know. I feel like that was probably a lot of families back in the 40s and 50s, too. Because you got to remember, all these guys came back from, like, World War II and shit shell-shocked as fuck. And the kids would make a loud noise or something. They'd have, like, flashbacks and pop their fucking kids, probably. Casey and I are watching Band of Brothers about D-Day. Yeah, that probably tracks really well. Mm -hmm. I would say say, uh, fathers back then had a very low tolerance for... Bullshit. Shenanigans. Yes. Shenanigans. Yeah, Bandit Brothers are really fucking awesome. I have never watched it before. No. I'm obsessed. I love war movies. Anyway, 
So it was really hard for John to stay caught up on all of his schoolwork from when he was in and out of the hospital. And that didn't really help the fact that his dad thought he was stupid. So not only is he going to end up gay, according to his dad. He's going to end up dumb. He's dumb. Yeah. He's so dumb. Yeah. At 18, John was still living with his parents. He got involved in the Democratic Party and became an assistant to the precinct captain. It's not really helping the fact that he's dumb. He discovered that he had the gift of gab, and he enjoyed the positive attention that he got from his position. He eventually worked his way up to precinct captain. Basically, John was responsible for helping voter registration and getting absentee ballots and party information. But his dad put a damper on any of the good that came out of his political involvement He belittled John's association with the DNC and called him a party patsy. He finally had enough of his dad, dropped out of school his senior year, packed his things, and headed out for Las Vegas. So I take it his dad was a Republican. (laughs) Probably. Oh, look at you. Party of the fruit pickers. Right. Once he got there, he worked for an ambulance service for a little while. Then he moved on to a mortuary where he was an attendant. This is the shit that gets fucked up real quick. Yeah. The owner of the mortuary found out that John had nowhere to stay since he just moved to town and hadn't really gotten settled yet. So he offers to allow John to live at the mortuary until he could find a place to live. He spent many nights alone in the mortuary, where he would sleep on a cot near the embalming room. John really seemed to enjoy living in the mortuary. At night, he would climb into the coffins with the deceased people and snuggle up to them and sleep. One night, he got into the coffin of a young boy and fondled it. He was so surprised that he found himself aroused by the corpse that he actually ended up calling his mom and asking if he could come home. Yeah, he he tamped that fucking memory deep fucking down. He was like, Mom, can, will Dad let me come home? You know, you know he came. You know he came. I don't want to talk about that. I don't he, want to think about that. He definitely busted a nut on a corpse. Or around, a, close enough to a corpse to where it fucked with his head. So his dad ended up agreeing to allow John to come back, and he packed his car and headed back for Shot Town. He was only in Vegas for like three months. Mm-hmm. That was it. That's all you know, did. as somebody that lived in Vegas for about four months, uh, yeah, I was out there a little longer than that, but still, uh, I totally get that. That's that about place all is, you need. Yeah, that's about all. I, I love Vegas. Everything's a sparkle. Uh, yeah, but it you don't want to be good. there more than like a week. Yeah, probably not. I only want to be there ever again for maybe three or four days tops. Three days is not long enough. Mm. Mm. It's more than enough. What do more. you do in Vegas? Fucking party. Gamble. I go on adventures. Yeah, nah, that wasn't what I was doing. I like to go on adventures. So once he was back home, he tried to push that incident at the mortuary into the back of his mind. 
He was accepted into Northwestern Business College despite not having a high school diploma, where he graduated in 1963. He took a management training position at the Nunbush Shoe Company. That's how I like them too, Nunbush. The looks I'm getting right now. I wish you guys could see this. <laughs> Fuck off. Shove my shoe up your ass. Well, as long as it's a nun bush shoe. Just stop. He was soon transferred to Springfield, Illinois, where he was officially promoted to manager. <gasps> He's the manager. He's the manager. I'm convinced that all managers are evil. Nobody wants that job. The manager of Nun Bush. Nobody wants that job. No. During his first year in Springfield, John became pretty involved with the local JCs, which are members of the Junior Chamber of Commerce. And they dedicated he dedicated a lot of his spare time to the organizations. The JCs focused on business development, management skills, and community service. And much like the the Shriners and all these other like little organizations like this, a lot of it's a front for just dudes hanging out and like watching stag films and shit back then. <laughs> so it's like, oh yeah, I gotta, I gotta go to the JC's meeting, you know? Gotta get out of the house. Sorry, wife. And then all the him and all the boys would go and watch fucking porn. Oh, but God. then they're doing charity events, so it's like you know, it's a trade off. It evens out. Yeah, it, it all comes out in the wash. In 1964, he was awarded the title of the key man after rising through the ranks pretty fast. John was really good at fundraising, oddly. Um, it, by 1965, he was appointed as vice president of the J.C. Springfield Division. And later that same year, he was recognized as being the third most outstanding J.C. in the entire state of Illinois. John felt confident and full of self-esteem for the first time in his entire life. He met a woman named Marilyn Myers at work, and soon after, they were engaged. Six months later, they got married, but during this time, John wasn't exactly the most faithful to Marilyn. Somehow, she finds out that John had gotten really drunk one night and gotten a blowjob from a fellow JC member. They did work through it, and so, you know, he... What? You're telling me future politicians don't, uh, they cheat on their wives? No. I'm not saying they that. They can't keep it in their pants? They don't have sexual relations with no woman. <laughs> I was about to say that. <laughs> it's only JC members. Yeah. But, you know... John it was, was for charity. <laughs> John was, you know, content. He was happy with his life. He was married. He had a bright future ahead. He was a leader in his community. You'd think that, you know, he would be happy. You know, his life seems to be well balanced. Except for this one dark need deep down inside of John. Well, that was the need to be sexually involved with young male teenagers. <sighs> that, to me, that stems from him being molested 100%. Because most of the time, people that are molested, 
end up molesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a vicious cycle. It is, and it's horrible. So, John and Marilyn moved to Waterloo, Iowa, where John managed three KFC restaurants that were owned by Marilyn's dad. They moved into Marilyn's parents' home for free, and John actually described this part of his life as, quote, perfect. He joined the Waterloo Jaycees and, again, quickly moved up the ranks. In February of 1966, Marilyn gave birth to their son, and the following March, 1967, Marilyn gave birth to their daughter. But in 1966, John pa- John's parents paid them a visit, and his father actually told him that he was proud of John. He takes John aside and apologizes to him for all the abuse he inflicted on John as a kid and told John that he was, quote, wrong about him. John Sr. told this to John Wayne. This is all he wanted was yeah, his this is father's approval. Yeah. Like all of this hard work he's put in into the political machine, mm-hmm. mo- like work, busting his ass, starting a family, getting yeah. married. It was all for his father's approval. Yeah. And because that's not it. truly what John wanted, but yeah. he, he had to do it to make his father proud of him. Yeah. His abusive, uh, prejudiced, piece of shit father. That's all John cared about was making his dad proud. Mm-hmm. And something tells me it's not going to last. This is right before Father's Day, too. <laughs> In 1967, he received recognition as outstanding vice president of the Waterloo Jaycees. And that landed him a seat on the board of directors. The Waterloo Jaycees absolutely loved John. He would bring them buckets of chicken from KFC to the meetings. He even wanted them to call him the Colonel. You can't beat those 11 herbs and spices. I thought it was 12. Mm, No, it's 11 herbs and spices. Oh, okay. There's all kinds of fat checking going on. Yeah. I don't care. I just thought it was 12. Unless you get the extra crispy chicken. Oh, is that the 12th? Is that the 12th one? Dr. Pepper's 23. Oh, I knew that. The Waterloo JCs had a dark side that the Springfield JCs did not have. They were involved with drugs, wife swapping, prostitutes, and porn. John very quickly fit in and began managing and participating in these extracurriculars. He also began to act on his need to have sex with male teens, many of whom worked at the KFCs he managed. Butt banging kids on the fry later. <sighs> Get these goddamn fries down. We got a drive through line going. Uh, you want to you go to the freezer real quick? No. They don't call me Mr. Frosty for nothing. Ew. He transformed a room in the basement into a hangout to attract teens to his house. He would lure the other boys with free booze and pornos. Most of the teens were his employees from KFC. The teens loved it, and they loved John. He let them come over and drink all all the beer they wanted and... Watched all the porn they wanted. They loved it right until it wasn't fun anymore. 
Well, yeah. It's all fun and games until a clown uh, comes until out. Until a penis comes out. Because at this point, he he's not Pogo yet. I thought so. you were going to say a penis in your mouth. Well, yes, that too. <laughs> it's all fun and games until there's a penis in your mouth. Put that on a shirt. No. Creeps in the crypt. It's all fun and games till a penis is in your mouth. Once he gained their trust, John would make sexual advances once he'd gotten them drunk enough. If the boy wasn't interested in the advance, John would be like, ha ha, I'm just joking. It's funny. Well, his whole shtick was like, you know, you're going to go out and, you're, and you might get laid by a chick, but... Why would you want to do that when you can get guaranteed laid from a dude? Why would you want to And then, that? like, if the kid's like, what the fuck is this dude talking about? He'd be like, oh, I'm just fucking with you. Ah, oh, he's so creepy. I can't stand he's it. He's a fucking disgusting piece of shit. But what can you say? Nature versus nurture type of thing. In August of 1967, John had hired 15-year-old Donald Voorhees to be a handyman of sorts. He's not related to Jason Voorhees. Unfortunately not. I'm sorry. Well, we wouldn't be talking about John Wayne Gacy if he was related to Jason Voorhees. That's true. We wouldn't have gotten very far. That would be a very interesting crossover. That would be kind of cool collab. <laughs> He's like, you rape him, I'll stick him. I I, I honestly find John Wayne Gacy way more horrifying than Jason Voorhees. Yes. Yeah. He did odd little jobs around John's house for him. Donald's dad was also a JC, and that's kind of how Donald got the job. But one day after finishing his work, Donald was coaxed down to the basement by John, and then he plied him with beer and pornos, and then he forced him to to perform oral sex. He told Donald that he, quote, had to have sex with a man before he could have sex with a woman. And Donald's like, no, I never knew that. And he's an impressionable 15-year-old boy. You're a handyman, right? You're a handyman? You're good with your hands? Well, get over here, Donald. I got something you can get handy with. Like you said, it's all fine games until somebody has a dick in their mouth. Yeah. That's the quote of the night, I think. <laughs> he so don't he put his trust into John and ends up going along with this task. This sent John into a delusion that he won't get caught. He sexually abused many other teenage boys over the next several months. He even convinced a few that it was scientific research and he was looking for participants and that they'd be paid fifty dollars, which is equal to four hundred dollars today. For each session. And he also blackmailed the boys to force them into a sexual submission. Fantastic. Yeah, this dude is just the one of the worst fucking human beings ever to walk the planet. Yeah. Yeah. One of the most common traits slash beliefs of many serial killers is that they're smarter than everyone and that they'll never get caught. John also thought this way. He had above-average pay, social connections with the JCs, so John's ego and confidence just grew and grew. He's turning into a flower. Yes, exactly. He got pushy and domineering and would often brag about his accomplishments, most of which were lies. 
there were a few JC members who were not into drugs and hookers. They distanced themselves from John. But in 1968, his perfect little world began to unravel. 1968 is pretty much when it all comes crashing down. Donald told his father about what happened with John in his basement, and he immediately reported it to the police. Then another boy came forward. John vehemently denied that those things ever happened and claimed that Donald's dad was doing this for political reasons. He offered to take a polygraph in order to prove his innocence, so the police take him up on this offer. And John's like, fuck, I didn't think they'd actually take me up on this. Yeah, he failed that miserably. Yes, he failed that shit. 100 he got a he got a 100% fail I mean goddamn the first questions what is your name how do you fail that it was just bad all the way around on May 10th 1968 he was indicted on orally sodomizing the two young boys but on August 30th John hires one of his 18 year old employees his name is Russell and paid him $300 to beat up Donald in an attempt to prevent him from showing up in court. Luckily, Donald was able to escape the situation rather unscathed. It didn't take long for Russell to throw John under the bus and tell authorities that John had hired him to rough Donald up. It was like immediately yeah, uh, that happened. Because I believe Donald like told the cops that, hey, this dude's trying to f- fucking... Mer- beat my ass mm-hmm. and then when the cops question him he's like oh gacy told me to yeah john john paid me 300 bucks to do it another charge was added on for trying to intimidate a witness not long after john was forced to undergo a psyche eval and he was diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder and determined that he was actually fit to stand trial regardless of the diagnosis They warned the judge that John likely wouldn't benefit from treatment and would go on to commit another assault or something else. But the court didn't listen. Shocker. Well, part of that has to do with the times, too, because a lot of the times, like, as we'll come to find out, Mm -hmm. crimes involving the, the gay things are icky to the cops and they don't like to really investigate shit. No. On November 7th, 1968, he pled guilty to the sodomy charge, but claimed that it was Donald who propositioned him and not the other way around. Obviously, no one believed this. And he ended up being convicted on December 3rd, and he was sentenced to 10 years in prison. The same day, he was convicted and sentenced. Marilyn petitioned for divorce and for full custody of their children. The judge granted the divorce, and he never saw his kids or his wife, ex-wife again. He served his time at the Iowa State Men's Reformatory, which is now Anamosa, Anamosa, whatever, state penitentiary. In 1969, John's dad died of cirrhosis of the liver. It hit him pretty hard, but the prison officials denied his request to go to the funeral. John did everything right in prison. He earned his GED, even though he had a college degree already, but we're not going to, we won't go into that. He was the head cook in the kitchen. He found a way to raise the pay for the inmates who worked in the mess hall. 
He joined the JC chapter for inmates and increased their membership by bringing in almost 600 people in under a year. He found ways to improve the conditions at the prison. He got them to install a putt-putt course in the rec yard. Oh, hell yeah, dude. Mini golf? Yeah. He was released in 1971 for good behavior, only serving 18 months of his 10-year sentence. Well, because he looked like a model. Yeah. Uh, model inmate. Yeah. And he was given a one-year probation sentence. Once released, John said he was never going to be the old John again. He was a changed man. But in February of 1971, John lured another teenage boy into his home and attempted to sexually assault him, but he escaped and went right to the police. John was charged with sexual assault, but the charges were later dropped when the boy didn't show up in court. And the news of John's arrest didn't even make it to his parole officer until he was already done with probation. His criminal record was then sealed, and he was able to start a new life. What's crazy about that is he probably intimidated that other kid. Yeah, he abs- I wouldn't doubt that. He's smart. He's learning from his mistakes. And that's mm-hmm. all you can do. Learn from your mistakes. Yeah. It's it's and not right. fucking crazy that just news doesn't travel like it does these days, you know. Uh-oh. Oh yeah. You join a Facebook group, you gonna know about who is a you creep. You gonna get all the tea. Yeah, everybody knows everybody's business nowadays. Mm-hmm. You can't just pick up and start anew and kind of bury a past part of yourself anymore. Mm-mm. Which is a good thing. Because that's how these guys operate. Yes. Murderous hermit crabs. Yeah. That's that's how these serial killers operated back then. They would just move town to town and just fuck shit up. You just fucked up hermit crabs for me. (laughs) Sorry. It's okay. (laughs) All right, guys. That is John Wayne Gacy part one. Yeah. I can't wait to see... I feel like things are going to go downhill. Oh, 100%. With incredible speed. <gasps> Lightning fast. He's like putting it into overdrive. He's like, drop down a gear. Let's do this. Yeah. Right now, tricking young boys is getting John's rocks off. Once that train leaves the station where it's not getting the rocks off that he... He needs more. He needs more. There's a, a quote that we'll do next episode that really sums up. His his thought process. Uh-huh. Is it a direct quote from him? Yeah. <gasps> I have a few direct quotes from John Ooh, Wayne Gacy. Exciting. But uh, go ahead and drop the socials for us. First and foremost, thank you guys so much for listening. Obviously, you know why we're doing Gacy, and you probably know how this story is going to end. But please make sure you guys stick around. It's going to get wild in the next episode. So make sure you guys have your auto downloads on so you know when the next episode drops. Please make sure you guys are following us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, all the good stuff. All the good things. And please leave us a review, as Eric said. um, And if you do have any suggestions on any episodes after the summer that you want us to cover, we are open ears. We we have this year planned out, but next year is wide open. Yes. So let us know. And stay creepy. Yeah. Stay creepy. We'll see you next Friday. Bye. Bye. Oh, and uh, check out Murder Crates. Yeah!